0: Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show where you'll find real conversations with today's most successful entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from unforgettable personal stories to exact strategies they use on a daily basis. Here's your host, Simon Sander.
1: Hey, I'm your host, Simon, and thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode is sponsored by OscarHamilton.com. They edit and produce all of our podcast interviews. So if you run a podcast or you're thinking about starting one, check out OscarHamilton.com. And now, let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Dave Jackson. Welcome, David. Simon, thanks for having me. Dave has been podcasting since 2005 and has helped thousands of people start successful podcasts through his School of Podcasting platform. Dave's passion is helping the world find their voice and audience. David, you've been in the game of podcasting and business for a long time. So tell us a bit more about yourself and fill in any blanks from that intro. Well,
0: I've like you said, I've been into technology for years. My my background was actually, I, I like uh, music, so I'm kind of creative. Uh, I'm a guitar player. Uh, my original degree was in electronic engineering. I, I thought I wanted to be a uh, a technician until I went out and started fixing everything and realized that when you're a technician, every customer you deal with is extremely upset because their stuff is broke. So I, I, I kind of fell into training, and that's where I really kind of was like, oh, this is, this is more like it. I'm still helping people, but people aren't throwing things at me. I'm not going home covered in copier toner, uh, all sorts of other fun stuff. So, yeah, I've been doing that for a very long time. I always jokingly say I used to teach people how to surf the Internet because they didn't know what it was. So I've been doing this a while, fax machines. I, I've lived through all that fun-filled old technology. Dave, if you look back, uh, what was your first podcasting adventure? My first podcasting adventure, would probably the first one I listened to, was The Daily Source Code with Adam Curry. And I remember it downloaded, and I was like, hey, I remember that guy from MTV. And uh, that kind of got me hooked into it. And then uh, my very first podcast, I'd been doing a a newsletter for uh, musicians, and it was all about how to get more gigs and how to get more CD sales and things like that. And I'd already been putting audio on the internet. It wasn't really a podcast. It was an audio on the internet. And just via that, I started to see a little more interaction with my audience. So I had a friend of mine came back and said, hey, I was just at this big convention and podcasting is going to be the next big thing. And I remember I Googled it and there, and there was maybe a page, a page and a half. There, there were almost no results. And so when I finally pieced this parted one together, I was like, oh, this is cool. So I took that newsletter for musicians and that became my first podcast And then once I made one, everybody's like, well, show me how to
1: do that. And I went, hmm, there may be a business here. So that's when the School of Podcasting was launched. I know that a lot of people in the audience have different talents and different skill sets. And it's always really challenging to choose between the one or two that you really care about. So you had music and podcasting. Why did you choose to go with podcasting?
0: Uh, well, mainly I live in Akron, Ohio and not the hubbub of, uh, you know, everybody was like, Oh, you should move to California and, you know, be in a rock band and things like that. And, and I just was like, I, I'm a big fan of steady paychecks. I didn't have the, the, uh, courage to move out there and do that. I, I had the talent. I'm a pretty talented guitar player, but I just, I just knew the odds of, of making it in the music business are a lot like making it in the odds of, of an actor and things like that. So I just was like, mm. and I just thought, you know, uh, basically being a technician would, would be more fun. My father was kind of a technician in his day, so I was kind of following in his footsteps. And just I, I've uh I've also been somewhat dabbling in writing. I actually have a book that I wrote a couple years ago. And so I like writing anything creative. So for me, podcasting was basically all of my passions. It it allowed me to help people. It was kind of geeky. So I got my my technology fix on and and then I got to help people. So All those things, and it was creative as well. So it was creative. I got to help people, and I got my geek on, and that's when I was like, wow, this is really cool. But the thing that really clinched it is I remember the very first piece of voicemail I got was from a guy named Michael Van Laar in Nuremberg, Germany. And at the time, I'm in this little itty-bitty city in Ohio, and there's a guy on the other side of the planet, and he's listening to my show. And that's when I went, oh, it's, it's that's it. Game over. We're done. I'm reaching a global audience. And I just knew at that point, this was going to be something I'll be doing till
1: the day I die. Dave, when I was doing research about you, something that I discovered was that you were really shy as a kid. And now you talk in front of microphone, in front of hundreds of thousands of people, like it's no big deal.
0: Yeah, it was. I don't know why it was. I, I kind of look back and go, what was the deal? But I think my... uh probably the biggest one, I actually got fired from my my first kind of quote real job. I had a, a, I was a paper boy growing up, but I got a job in a grocery store and they literally fired me because I was just so insanely shy and I needed to talk to customers and I was just really introverted. And uh, the uh, I got that job through my school and the guy that got me the job looked at me and said, look, here, here's the deal. You've got to come out of your shell. And my best friend was the direct opposite of me. He was very outgoing and very loud and fun. And he said, you need to be more like your friend, Scott. And I was like, that's just not going to happen at the time. And he said, well, and he said, here's what I want you to do. He goes, I want you to, uh, he goes, if you act the way you want to be someday, you'll be the way you act, which is basically fake it till you make it. And so I, I just started. And as I started to talk more, I have a, a, a pretty interesting sense of humor. And I, I saw where I can make people laugh. So that just started to bring me out of my shell and then eventually, just I remember my—I think it was ninth grade. I had a speech class, and uh, I, all my speeches were were basically little stand-up routines. And I got people laughing, and I would it, that just really boosted my uh,
1: um, confidence. So that that got me going as well. Dave, uh, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, you started a podcast named The School of Podcasting, and it has been a huge success. It has been downloaded more than one million times. Uh, Tell me, how has running this podcast helped you with being shy and becoming more confident?
0: Well, it's it's one of those things. As I as I got into teaching, I realized that you don't have to be the master of a topic. All you need to do is know more than your students. So if I'm if I'm teaching, a, uh, I taught a lot of Microsoft Office. If I was teaching a Microsoft Excel one class, I just needed to know all the way up to Microsoft Excel two. If I was teaching a two class, I needed to know three and you know, a lot of times you didn't need to be this Yoda of whatever your topic is. So uh, when I got into podcasting, I already knew more than than pretty much everybody I knew, because back then in 2005, I was still explaining what the heck a podcast was. So that was the the fun of that. And so just going through uh, and just being able to talk to a lot of people. I mean, being a, a teacher kind of got me over my fear of, of being shy, because every day I had 20 new people that I met and had to uh, teach them a subject and things like that. But that then – that got me into then doing online tutorials was uh, – when I, when I kind of got out of training uh, in, in that particular job, I was just getting into online tutorials. Well, that was great because that's basically what I used then to build the school of podcasting. So one thing kind of led to another. you know I, I was doing the classroom teaching. At one point, I was the head of a, a training department, and that's where I really learned something too. You got to understand what you're good at. And I am a worker bee. I do not want to be in management at all because I've done that, and all it really was was babysitting. And I was like, no, I want to get back helping people, not uh, just just stupid disputes and a lot of uh, corporate BS. And I was like, no, 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 put me back in a classroom. This is not for me. And so that really helped. And, and just uh, then, going back to uh, the school of podcasting it was a matter of taking, uh, you know. When when you're making a class, you have to understand what what is the student going to do when they leave your classroom? So you have to develop your objectives and then, okay, how am I going to create a lesson plan so that when they get out of the classroom, they can achieve those? So it was a lot of my teaching background of like, what do I want them to do when they're done? So I would go in and say, okay – I want them to plan their podcast. So what are all the steps they have to go through? And then, okay, now I want them to build a website. Okay, what do, what do we have to walk them through? So my teaching background really helped me then build the school of podcasting. And then the online tutorials, uh, that experience helped me build the whole thing.
1: Dave, when you started school of podcasting, uh, did you think about long term and how you're going to scale it? Or was it mostly about uh, just having fun and pursuing your passion?
0: Yeah, it was funny. I, I had an idea, but I had no idea what to charge. Because, again, there, there was nothing else out there. And I remember when I first opened it up, I thought – I think I was charging $2 a month, which is ridiculous now to think about it. And I just thought, well, if I could get 100 people signing up for, for 2 bucks, well, it was a really tough sell because nobody, A, knew what the heck a podcast was. And number two, I didn't realize at the time, but $2, people were like, wait a minute. That's less than a you know, can of soda. This can't be any good. I didn't realize that your your value – you know, I, I thought I was just going to do volume, volume, volume. So I had no clue. And that's where I really started to, to then realize my background was in education. And so I started reading uh, people like Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and all these sales books because I needed to ramp up my marketing. And so over the years, I've obviously raised my prices. And uh, a lot of the stuff, it was just a matter of listening to what my customers wanted and then going, yeah, I think I can do that. Like I have some people that will sign up at the School of Podcasting. And they'll say – Yeah, I just want to talk into a microphone. Do you know anybody that'll do all this editing thing? And for a while, I was I was doing that. And then some people said, Ah, you know, I'm not really sure who to host. Like in terms of where should I buy my web hosting? So I became a a reseller for GoDaddy, and all those are additional revenue streams. So a lot of times, just listening to your audience, finding out what they want, and seeing if you can do that for them or find a service that you can refer to that maybe you can get some sort of affiliate commission on.
1: Tell me how many people signed up uh, with that 2 dollar model and did it work? No, no, it didn't work at all. Uh I I think I had
0: a few. I remember I think I had like 10, you know, if that, but again it was really really early and uh and then I had somebody that, that just said, "Dave, go into any store anywhere and see if you can buy anything for 2 bucks." He goes, "You can't, you know, he goes, it's really, really. And I was like, and, but the, the problem was I wanted to help everybody. So I didn't want to make that, that price be a barrier. So yeah. So eventually it went up to 20. Now it's uh, 49 a month, uh, because I, obviously I've added more tutorials over the years and more experience and uh, more courses and things like that. But yeah, at the very beginning, I, I look back and just laugh at myself and go, what was I thinking? But I, I didn't take any time to, uh, to do any research on, uh, how to pick a price, or I, I was very new to internet marketing. Dave, for a
1: long time you offered every single service on your website that was somewhat related to podcasting, but now you have really narrowed down your focus. Why and when did you start doing that?
0: I think it was when I started doing, when I I started going up to my computer and going, ah, that was basically it. When it was like, ah, you know, it's like, oh, I like I'm I I know how to build a website. I I am okay in a graphics program, but web design takes a special person and it takes a lot of project management because you have to be able to say, okay, here is phase one. At the end of phase one, your website will do this. At the end of phase two, we'll do this and I will get paid here and I'll get paid here and there because web design is just horrendous for people adding one more thing and one more thing and it, it just never ends. And I like, I like my projects to kind of come in, let's do it, let's bang it out, and then if there's more to it, okay, let's make that a new project. So that was one that I was like, I'm not a, a web designer, uh, I can do my own stuff, it's okay, but I didn't really like doing it for other people. And the other thing that I ran into with the audio production, it was fine because I, I used it at first to fill in the gaps when I wasn't doing one-on-one consulting, but when all of a sudden I'm doing, I want to do more one-on-one consulting, and I can't because my my calendar's filled with all this stuff that pays much less. I was like, all right, it's time to phase out this uh, audio editing stuff. And I found a few people that I could uh, pass it off to. So it, it started off, you know, some of those things I did at the beginning because I needed to fill up my calendar. But after a while, I kind of determined, okay, what do I get the most out of? What what suits me best? What suits my skills best? And I'm an okay audio editor, but th- th- I don't do anything any special that somebody else couldn't do and uh, I can make more money doing one-on-one consulting which ties into my experience my background much better than than audio editing
1: Dave I really like your point when you go in front of the computer and you run your own business and then you think god like I wish I didn't have to do that task then you need to change some things up and you did Dave you've been running your podcast for a long time and it has been really successful what has been some of the biggest lessons you've learned Well, when you're first
0: starting out, realize that anything you do, whether it's shooting a basket or tying your shoes or driving a car, when you first start off, you're not going to be as good as you are 10 months from now. So, so many people really, really overthink the launch and I see a lot of people putting And that doesn't mean you, you just blow off your launch, but having a big launch and and saying, if I have a big launch, I'll have a, a successful podcast. It's kind of like saying, if I have a big marriage, I'll have a successful marriage. Well, the, the, the wedding day is the party. The real work begins after the, the marriage. And it's the same thing. When you launch your podcast, getting it into iTunes is actually the easy part. The hard part is getting subscribers and getting people to, to listen to it. And so I see a, lead, a lot of people come out. They have the big launch. And then they're like, OK, great. Now I'm going to start looking for sponsors. No, no, no. The first thing you should be looking at is how can I get good? because the first, you know, monetization comes about because you monetize your audience and you don't have an audience yet. So, you know, come up with a great content. I would say if your content can inspire your audience to tell a friend, that's the kind of content that you want. And then you can look at monetization and, and uh, those types of things. So I, I see some people, I think, they, they get the horse a little bit, you know, the, the cart is a little ahead of the horse in some cases.
1: Dave, what's the best way to keep your audience engaged? So if you sell them something, they'll buy. If you publish a book, they'll, they'll tell their friends about it.
0: Well, the one thing that every podcaster starts with is integrity. We all have zero subscribers and integrity. And it's a matter of as you get more subscribers, how much of that integrity can you keep? So for me, one of the things I hear my audience say is I like the fact, Dave, that if you don't like something, you're not afraid to say that. And uh, a few years ago, there was a new product on the on the landscape called Audello, and everybody was just talking about this is the the best thing since sliced bread. It also happened that Audello had a really nice affiliate program, and if you got somebody to sign up, you got a hundred bucks. So everybody was just saying. This is the best thing since sliced bread, and I came on board and uh, used it for a little bit, and I said, well, this needs a lot of work. Hold on a second, and I really didn't like their marketing because their marketing was a little, in my opinion, kind of skeevy, Uh, and I think I I gained a lot of points with that, and then I also came up with uh, certain criteria for certain things because everybody was asking me, well, what do you think of this media host, and what do you think of this media host? So I came up with five things. I'm like, this is what I'm looking for in a media host so that now I can if somebody comes up and says, "Well, what do you think of Pinecast.com?" I can say, "What well, do they do?" That kind, you know, so that way, and that just goes back to my my teaching background. I just came up with a a set of criteria to meet. So I think that's the biggie: keeping that and not selling out. Um, I, I feel really bad when I hear people now that are are doing these things called uh, programmatic ads, and they're getting paid two dollars per thousand downloads. And I'm just like, that's not really respecting your audience in my book. I just know you you can get much more than that. So I think that's the biggie. And then the other thing is I hear a lot of people complain because, and and I'm with you on this. I I get when I see a big media outlet promoting a podcast that's from another big media outlet. And I'm like, they just want to ignore all the, the little independent people. But the one thing that we can do that they can't is we can interact with our audience. I don't know that the people over at Serial are answering every email and replying to every tweet and things like that. And when you do that, if you can mention the name of somebody in your podcast, that now becomes, that's your sales force. Because as much as you and I know that we put our pants on one leg at a time, when I mention somebody in my podcast, that person is gonna go, oh my gosh, he just mentioned me in his podcast. And they're gonna go tell somebody. So there are all sorts of things you can do that uh, I just got an email yesterday from somebody that said uh, they found the school of podcasting, and I do a, a podcast about weight loss called the the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, and I do another one about the Amazon Echo called the Alexa Cast. And she said, I don't need to lose weight, and I don't have an Amazon Echo, but I listen to those podcasts too because I just like to listen to you. I think you're funny. So that really blew me away that somebody was listening to topics that had nothing to do with them, but they she, she just said, I just like you. I think you're funny. So – People come for the content. I think they stay for the host.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. Running a podcast is challenging. Dave, I think a lot of podcasters give up way too fast. Do you come across that a lot?
0: Oh, all the time. I You mentioned New and Noteworthy earlier. If you go to uh, info, I actually have a special blog post that points out the fact that I've had people that were at not the top of New and Noteworthy, but the front page of iTunes, and it really doesn't do much for you. So I I hate to see people spending all this time and effort when really iTunes and and don't get me wrong. I love iTunes. It's a great resource, but it's a phone book. And in the same way that I'm not famous because I'm in the local phone book, I'm not going to be famous because I'm in iTunes. It helps. Don't get me wrong. And so I hate to hear people go, well, I didn't get into new and noteworthy, so I'm just going to quit. And I go, well, how many downloads did you have? And they go, I don't know, about, you know, 200 an episode. And I'm like, you do realize, again, my teacher background comes out. I'm like. I used to have 20 students in a class. That would be 10 classrooms. That's a whole floor of a building of people. That in an age in an age of Netflix and FMAM serious, you know, you name it. There's all sorts of different stimulus for for content. They're turning in. They're tuning in to uh, to listen to you because there is no spam in podcasting. If they don't want to listen to you, they can very easily unsubscribe. So, to me, I always say, look, those I know they're numbers, but they're they're, they're names. Those are people that are listening. And uh, if you reach out to them, uh, it's it's amazing. I've seen people do – there was a a woman I used to work with – she did the Special Mouse Podcast. And it was about taking people with special needs to Disney and and different amusement parks. And because her son had autism, she was never going to get 10,000 downloads. And she only had hundreds of downloads. But her audience was insanely interacting with her because they were like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only one going through this. So it's a whole different mindset. A lot of people, when you think about radio, it's broadcasting. This is kind of narrow casting in a certain way. So yeah, I see it all the time. And I just hate to see people give it up when they're they're really just getting the ball rolling.
1: Yeah, it is definitely narrow casting. And a lot of people go after really niche-specific uh, audiences. So if you have a few hundred people paying attention to every single thing you put out, be grateful for that and don't give up. At this point, uh, Dave, I want to understand what you do daily to be successful. So could you walk me through your habits and routines and the mindset behind that?
0: Well, the the things that I like to focus on, number one is your attitude. If you don't have the right attitude, you're just going to sputter out and get frustrated and things like that. So just remember that it's, I always say podcasting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And then the other thing is we kind of get this mentality of like, well, if I just push harder, if I just work harder and I'm going to, I'm going to work. 27 hours in, in a day, even though that doesn't make sense. You know, they're just going to push, push, push. Well, what happens then is, is let's say you start getting four hours of sleep a night. Okay. Well, now you're going to be really tired. You're going to start making mental mistakes. You're not going to be able to focus. And so now your attitude goes down to the drain. So if you don't have a good attitude and you don't have good health, well, then you're just going to be, you're, you're just, again, you're, you're steering yourself into the wall. So you have to take care of yourself. So I actually get I have a treadmill in my living room and I'm not allowed to watch TV unless I'm on a treadmill. That's just the way it works. And and because I just I, I mean, I sit on my butt all day for for, you know, in front of a computer. So I got to keep myself healthy and I gave up fast food. I gave up uh, I used to drink a six pack of Mountain Dew a day. I haven't had Mountain Dew in about a year and a half. Uh, so I just started taking care of myself. So that's a big part of it because your body is an engine and if your engine isn't running good, then the whole thing is going to go out. And the last thing you need is support. So if you have a, a wife and kids and things like that, sit down and talk to them and say, look, you know, some people have golf and bowling as hobbies. I'm going to start this little side business and I need to know, you know, when when daddy goes into a room on Tuesday nights, don't come in there because he's busy. And just just talk with them and get their support so that they know you know, what to expect. And, and I think when you do that together, then there's no surprises like, oh, what do you mean you're going to be doing this four nights a week? You didn't tell me that if you get everybody on the same page. When when you've got your health, when you've got your attitude and you've got support, at least now you have a platform to to literally launch from. But when you when you don't have the support, well, then you start doing stupid things like, okay, I'll wait till everybody goes to sleep and then I'll I'll cut out my sleep and I'll stay up till four in the morning doing stuff. Well then there goes your health and then there goes your attitude and the whole thing just crumbles. So that's that's what I relate my success to. And then the the, the last thing I would say is Uh, again, my teaching background, I'm always learning. I'm always learning something. I'm always reading a book. I'm always listening to a podcast because
1: I've learned, especially in technology. If you're not learning, you're going backwards. Did you have to have these honest conversations with your loved ones as well, Dave?
0: Yeah, I actually did that. um, I'm now divorced, but at the time my wife and I sat down and we just determined that Monday night, Thursday night and uh, Saturday until she woke up, we're quote we could just call them Dave caves nights. That was where Dave would go into his cave and don't bug him. And that was uh, it was just something that was known And that way. If I ever needed something that was outside of that schedule, uh, I knew I was asking for something above and beyond. I was like, hey, I've got this interview I could do, but it's on a Wednesday night. Is that OK? And, you know, the other thing is uh, nothing works better than, uh, hey, I just got this big affiliate check. I'm taking you out to dinner you know spread the wealth don't keep all that uh any kind of uh rewards that you get share that with your family and just don't don't forget to uh to to uh without that support again you're you're gonna lose the whole thing so that worked well for me to just sit down and 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 also then review it every now and then because things change
1: dave that's something i should have done right away I'm a person who likes to keep everything to themselves, so I don't want to bother anyone with my problems and challenges. But like you said, being open about your stuff, being open about what you're doing, when you're doing it, it's so important because it gives you freedom and then the people around you know what's going on. Dave, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and I've gained so much value out of it. If you could leave our audience with just one final takeaway, what would that be? I would just say, if you're thinking of doing a podcast, just start.
0: I see so many people now, there's a, there's actually a new word for this. We call it pre-fading. And this is where somebody will record, you know, 10, 15 episodes. And I don't know what they're waiting on, but they just don't launch. It's kind of weird. And to me, you can't improve something until you launch it, until you put it out for people. And, And a musician wants their songs to be heard. And a podcaster wants their, their content to be heard. And, you don't really know if it's good until you let somebody else listen to it. Uh, I know that. I mean, as a musician, I've written music that I thought was really good, and I listen to it now, and I'm like, wow, that was horrible. So you, you need to get some feedback, and you can't get feedback if it's still sitting on your hard drive. So get out there and just let it go. It's, it's really uh, – and most people think they're worried about negative feedback, and negative feedback is usually – if somebody doesn't like your stuff, they don't take the time to let you know that you're not very good. They just don't listen, and that's fine.
1: Yes, and you can take any negative feedback and turn it into a positive learning experience. Dave, thank you so much for coming in.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Simon. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.